this is a side note, but we need to go on, try to like find somebody on like Amazon or somebody that's written like a really aggressive review for a pencil just because they're like an angry reviewer and then find them and get them onto the podcast. Hello and welcome to episode 147 of the Erasable Podcast. This is Tim Wassum on head hosting duties. Andy and Johnny are here too. Cast some pod. How's it going, Hello. guys? Great. Um, yeah. Man, it's good to talk to you. Yeah. Likewise. Uh, so this is the first uh, episode in which we will be previewing our new podcast, which is called Indelible our short Patreon extra that we do about pens, uh, which the first one was very well received. So we plan to make more in the future. And the main topic of our podcast of this episode, <laughs> son of a bitch, Johnny. <laughs> God, I, I, I even made it past the main toilet part. And I was like, I got this. I got this. I, nope. I was, nope. I was impressed. <laughs> okay. I'm starting over. Okay. <laughs> sorry. Sorry. God. <laughs> <laughs> Hello and welcome to episode 147 of the Erasable Podcast. This is Tim Wassum on head hosting duties. Andy and Johnny are here too. Let's cast some pod. Guys, how are you doing? Hey, great. How are Fantastic. you? Fantastic. I'm doing all right. It's the first day back of school for me, and it's been a oh, long geez. day. Oh, for boy. me and for Henry. And so we've we've had a we've had a long day of virtual teaching and learning. So but we're Oof. we're doing good. It was yeah, overall there will success. be there will be no learning here. Don't worry. Good. Nope. Good. Good. I'm th- I'm sick of it. I tell you, I'm <laughs> sick of it. Um, <laughs> You're so the, the 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 first episode. Yeah, once three o'clock hits, I'm not learning a thing. You know, like yeah, this is a closed <laughs> mind right here. Um, the the first episode of Indelible, our short Patreon extra about pens, was well received, and we plan to make more in the future. And the the main topic of this episode uh, can be viewed as a sort of preview to the future Patreon extras that we might do. Um, so if you enjoy this and you want to hear more Indelible, subscribe to our Patreon at any level, even just two dollars a month, to get in on some uh, some inky fun. But of course, this is still erasable primarily and so we plan to bring you the usual uh, like pencil goodness tonight but we're also lucky enough to be joined by jesse rain who will be uh with us later to share her wisdom about vintage esterbrook fountain pens vintage pen restoration and other fun topics so uh this is an all-out writing instrument extravaganza but before we start uh this party let's start off with our tools of the trade so uh johnny since you're just my favorite. Why don't you start us out right now? <laughs> uh, you're my favorite too. <laughs> that was that um, was sarcasm, Johnny. You're trying yeah, to the, the trying to kamikaze me in the you're trying Engines to kamikaze me in my my uh, uh, my script. <laughs> Man, that's what I see. <laughs> so, um, I just read a book by Julie Cameron of the Writer's Way uh, fame called The Writing Diet, which I would not recommend, and I won't talk more about it. Um, I am actually, after we record tonight, I'm going to finish watching the collection, which was, a um, came out in 2016. It's a mini series that was on, uh, French TV and, um, masterpiece aired it, but they bleeped out all the curse words and I like my F bombs. 
So, <laughs> you um, sure do. Yeah. <laughs> you sure do. Yeah. So, um, uh, Amazon has it as an Amazon original. So it's on Amazon. You can check it out. It's about, um, Paul Sabine and his fashion house right after world war two in France. And like, hmm. you know, they, they set up attention in the first, um, the first scene, the whole thing's very taut, lots of cool, uh, stationary stuff. There's a plot point about a fountain pen and within like two minutes of the show. Oh, wow. That it's not a spoiler at all. Um, yeah, it's, it's really, really good. And like in the whole episode, it's not about fountain pens <laughs> and not like this. <laughs> and the, if, if you, if you were squeamish around uh, the F word, it's judicious as is the full frontal male nudity. So don't watch it with kids. All right. And, um, and a very nice person who is a good friend of mine, sent me a book called me talk pretty one day by David Sedaris. Thank you too. So I just read the few first few essays of that, but I had to put it down because it was time to podcast. But so <laughs> far, it's really, really freaking good. I really like it. So thank you again, dude. Such a good writer. Yeah, it's got mm. a really cool title. It's like a dude in a Renaissance wig. Like that's awesome. <laughs> I want a picture of me like that. Um, and <laughs> in, anybody uh, here use Photoshop? No, I want like a real painting. Oh, a real one. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Let's do it. This is analog. Yeah. COVID. <laughs> um, so in honor of our guest and our topic, I am writing with a fountain pen tonight, which is, um, I have a Parker 41, which was sort of in between the 21 Super and a 51 Special, and they weren't made for very long, so they're expensive as hell on eBay. Um, but I have a really pretty uh, Aqua one that has matching ink. And hmm. I'm not actually writing on anything. There's like paper all over the place. So for that, uh, scraps of Rodia pads. Yeah. How about you, Andy? Nice. Um, the biggest thing of note, I think that I've started consuming since we last met, um, is a really good show on Showtime um, called On Becoming a God in Central Florida, which is a great title. And it's it's very much in the style of, either of you ever watch Weeds? No. It's uh, I watched the first few seasons, I think. Yeah. Um, it's, it's like weeds in that it sort of like goes off, like it goes pretty wacky the first episode and it just keeps on getting more bananas as you go. But it's, uh, it takes place in the early nineties and, uh, Kirsten Dunst plays, um, Crystal Stubbs, um, who <laughs> is a, uh, Orlando, uh, mother. And she, um, I guess, I guess the, the boring way of Orlando saying name. Oh, yeah, it's, it is. That's a good um, Orlando name. Yeah. Yeah. Apologies to anybody here in Orlando. My sister lives in Orlando. No, it's not apologies. I didn't say it was a bad name. <laughs> yeah, no. It just sounds like somebody from yeah. Orlando. The, the thing I'll mention uh, is she gets uh, caught up in a uh, pyramid scheme and kind of like, you know, that this is the the main kind of like thrust of the show is this pyramid scheme that just keeps getting just like more bonkers and more bonkers. So it's a, it's a pretty good show. There's only 10 episodes um, in the season and it's very entertaining. I definitely recommend that. Uh, and also in honor of our guest later, um, I am. Um, so I, I bought um, this Parker 21 not too long ago on, um, on eBay. And I thought that Johnny, um, he sent, so Johnny sent me and Tim a text that said like, like, Guys, stop me from buying this this eBay auction. <laughs> no, I, I thought said, that 
I said, you guys buy this before I do. Okay, yeah. <laughs> so, so, so I took him at his word. Um, I thought that he wanted it, so I bought it. Um, like, I got it myself, and then I was going to just, like, surprise you with it. And then you're like, oh, I have one. <laughs> just like it. So I was like, oh, okay. But I have very, very nice co-hosts. Yes. And I would be very grateful. So I, um, so I bought it, and I cleaned it out, and I've been using it. Um, it's a, I think it's an extra fine nib. It's a very thin nib. Um, and I've been writing, uh, been using an Iru, how do you say it? Iru Shuku? Um, Iroshizuku. Iroshizuku. It's a really lovely ink. It's a Foyu Soyujin, um, which is this bluish, uh, kind of this bluish gray ink, which I just saw and mm. just, just love. So I've been writing with that in my um, Ampad gold fiber notebook, which honestly does not do wonders with this ink because it is kind of toothy and it, it bleeds, it feathers a little bit. And Tim, how about you? Yeah, I have on, if, on the subject of David Sedaris, uh, Johnny was talking about that book. I, in, in, I, I go through a phase probably twice a year where I just can't do anything but listen to David Sedaris audiobooks and read his books. Cause he, he does all the audiobooks himself and he's a really good performer. And if you haven't, if you haven't heard him, you need to check him out. He's he kind of came to being well known for being on uh, This American Life on NPR mm. with some really amazing essays. So, and those are still out there too. But um, I have been actually reading, which I had had it on my Kindle and had gotten away from it. But after talking with Johnny and kind of going through one of these David Sedaris phases, I got back to Theft by Finding, which is his. Uh, his uh, diaries, like excerpts from his diaries over the course of like 30 years. So he had been keeping these diaries for a long time and there's going to be another, I guess another volume of it eventually, but he is a, and I really love his method of, of keeping a diary. So what he does is he keeps a notebook in his pocket. And right now he, he uses roll bond like, uh, Oh yeah. Kind of like reporter reporter style oh, notebooks. Those are nice books. I like those. Yeah. Yeah. So he, he said that I, I saw somewhere that when he was in last time he was in Japan, he's like, I bought these notebooks, which have a German name, but are actually made in Japan. Uh, <laughs> he bought like 50 of them. Like he just, just like bought a ton. And so he, he keeps one of those in his front pocket and he keeps notes all day long, just jot, you know, jotting things down in this little hardback flip notebook. And then at the end of the day or whenever he's, yeah, it, it, I guess whenever his writing time is, he keeps a diary on his computer. And then at the end of the day, or at the end of the season or whatever it is, he, he prints off his entire diary and then he buy, has them bound or he might even bind them himself actually. Cause I, he, he mentioned that he takes a, he's taking classes and, and, and binding. So, and I've heard from him somewhere, I forget where I heard this, but Yale bought all of these, like the complete diaries of oh, David wow. Sedaris, which are oh, wow. going to be available in some fashion. But so he released a, curated selection of them and they're very good they're very you know these short little uh entries that he does i mean most of them are pretty short but very entertaining but i i just i've always been a big fan of reading the journals of writers uh and the collected letters of writers because it gives you these very like hyper specific unfiltered thoughts from them so i'd really recommend it it's a big book but it's a book that you can read just in little bits over time Hmm. um but yeah, so I've really been enjoying that. I've also really been enjoying the new Taylor Swift album, hmm. which yeah. is a big jump from the <laughs> from <laughs> from David Sedaris. But uh, have you guys listened to this yet? I have. Yeah, yeah. yeah it's she kind of surprised everybody and came out with this 
album that nobody knew she was making. It had been less than a year since her last album, Lover, came out. And it's called Folklore. And she did most of it with the the brothers of The National. Is it Dessner mm-hmm. or Dressner? What's their last name? I but, can't remember. But he, like, she made this album remotely with them. Uh, yeah. That one... Um, that one duet that she does with the Bon Iver guy. Um, Exile, I, was, I think it's called. <laughs> I was okay. I was listening to it and I was like, that, like I could, I didn't look at the the screen or the the thing that was happening. It's like, that kind of sounds like the Bon Iver guy, but it's <laughs> like, you can hear him. It's not just like, kind of like mushy, oh, uh, yeah, soft yeah. vocals. Yeah. So it's like, he, yeah, he sounds, he sounds clear. <laughs> you can actually hear his voice. Very- and he's so, his voice is so low. It's almost like shocking. Yeah, yeah I was, I, I was surprised about that. It's like yeah. a, it's an impressive thing to sing that low and that like on pitch, <laughs> you know, like that's yeah. it's pretty cool. So I've really been yeah. loving that album. And I was, I got some Jane got me for my birthday. Uh, some my it's not my birthday yet, but she gave them to me early cause I can use them at school. Uh, she gave me some noise canceling headphones. Like, mm. and so today I was working and like between classes, I was listening to that album on noise cancel, uh, noise canceling headphones. And it was, it was amazing. So, and all the uh, kids were like, Mr. So yeah, Watson, really? Mr. Watson, <laughs> you know, please answer my zoom call, please. please. <laughs> yeah. um, uh, I've, another album I've been listening to is, uh, an album by Mavis Staples, who I've, I've mm. talked about before is like one of my favorite voices ever, but she made an album with Jeff Tweedy from Wilco a couple of years ago called if all I was was black. Uh, and Jeff Tweedy wrote pretty much all the songs or co-wrote all the songs with her. And it is, I'm not going to say, it is just an incredible album. It is so good. Mm. It is kind of a perfect album for right now. So if you haven't heard it, check it out. Um, I, I was stumbling through, I, I went to Barnes and Noble for the first time in like six months to check on something and they had a 50% off final sale. Oh, and, hell yeah. Uh, yeah. And it was, so I got that and then I got the, uh, Yo-Yo Ma plays Ennio Morricone, like his, his hmm. scores from good, bad and the ugly and stuff. Yeah. So I got, I got those two albums and came home and was like a little like excited schoolboy. So yeah. <laughs> uh, hmm. Yeah. But it's a, it's a great album. So if, if all I was was black by Mavis Staples, great album. And then the last thing I'll mention is I just started listening to John Dickerson's new book, the hardest job in the world. Yeah. which is uh, his uh, an amazing so far amazing book about the history of the presidency and the scope of the presidency and what we should be looking for. in somebody who's a president of the United States, how the jobs changed over time. Um, it's fantastic. So I'm really loving it. And we also need to talk about it because there were black wings. Hmm. Um, yeah, that's true. Associated with it. Yeah. So he, he had there, they released is questionable how it was handled by, <laughs> by Blackwing, but they're like, Hey, <laughs> check out these pencils that weren't available to you. <laughs> uh, and so apparently they were made so that he could give to his, um, like the people that he had interviewed or the people that had been involved in the book, I guess there was some mention that they were supposed to go to people who pre-ordered the book. But I know Adam on take notes says I pre-ordered it from his website and I definitely didn't get pencils. And I would be, you know, like, like that would be the person who would notice if he got the pencils. So, but they did take, like they put out a, questionnaire where you can uh, request to be notified when they're made available, but they have really good, like kind of uh, semi obscure quotes from, from presidents on the side. And they have a, they're like a two tone color. I forget. I don't have them in front of me, but I think it's like red and is it red and white with blue writing? Is that what it is? It's red and like a, yeah, gray. 
Yeah, like a gray and a okay. like bluish. Yeah, I think they're really so, good looking. They are. Yeah, I mean, I so I I put my name on the list. If they come out and sell dozens of those, I mean, I would definitely definitely want those. But yeah, uh, hmm. yeah. Sorry, I've been very long winded, but yeah. uh, but that's what I've been consuming aside from what I'm teaching, and I am writing with a Blackwing Eras in my moleskin pocket hardback notebook. Cool. Yeah. Um, all right. Well, let's, uh, let's jump into fresh points and Johnny go for it. Um, so I don't have a lot of fresh points. I've just been using um, Musgraves and vintage like last 20 or 30 year American pencils lately. I think all of them have been yellow or hmm. natural, but um one thing I, that I figured out this morning, and this is not under consuming because I haven't actually listened to it yet, but um, our local NPR station does a lot of really, really cool uh, podcasts. And one of them is called like the Edgar Allan Poe Theater or something. It's an Edgar Allan Poe based podcast. Hmm. So I put the link in the show notes because it sounds amazing. And um, they're still making it like they put one out last week. So, yeah, that's really all I have. Is it just like dramatic readings of his work or is it um some and then it looks like there's some other like um just talking about poe stuff i'm like oh i'm all over this that's so cool yeah they also have a really (laughs) neat one about um basically creepy stuff but they haven't put it out in a while so i didn't put that on there yeah so how about you andy oh man what's going on um first a quick i wanted to give a quick update on plumbago issue seven uh which is Long, 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 long overdue. Um, we had a lot of delays, and some of the, those delays were just um, my mental block and inability to <laughs> sit down and actually lay this thing out. Uh, <laughs> we have movement, and that is uh, Harry Marks is laying it out. So Yay. our our fearless um, editor of, of Flambago. So um, I'm hoping that uh, before the end of the month uh, of August 2020, to have that done and out to print and out to um, those of you who have ordered it. So thank you everybody for being patient. Um, we will, uh, I'll be communicating with you soon um, with more updates about that. So it's, uh, it's going to be really good. Uh, second thing I'll mention is um, a topic we, <laughs> we, we deferred from last time. Uh, we just started getting them in hand uh, last time we were recorded, but these are the, the new, the new Blackwing eras. Um, which which I choose to read with a long A, so it's Blackwing Erase. Um, <laughs> I still say Blackwing ERAs. Yeah, the Blackwing ERAs. So, um, yeah. yeah. So I think all of us have had these in hand since then. Um, yeah. Yeah, and I know that um, a few people in the group have reported just like really just like crappy quality ones. Like um, they have all kind of like scratched up and banged up. More than a few. Yeah. I mean, you were one of them, right, Johnny? Mine all look like my kid got to them. Like they're really bad. And yeah. I know that um, you know if I send Nick an email, he'll send me a different dozen. But I don't, I don't feel okay bugging the hell out of Nick for something that's not his fault. And also, you know, it does seem a little ridiculous to spend thirty bucks on pencils and then have to send someone an email about it. It <laughs> seems pretty widespread. So. With volume 10, a lot of the um, ferals were bad. And then after that, they seemed to have um, fixed whatever that issue is. And now it seems mm. like it's worse and like really bad. Like, I didn't even sharpen one. I put them away. Yeah. I'll look at them later. I was like, this is really disappointing. 
And I don't, you know, I don't, I don't, I'm sorry. I don't, I don't want to rant because I know this is a labor of love for folks. And I have a lot of love for the people at Blackwing, but I've found this one just bleh. Yeah. But the design is pretty. Yeah. It's interesting because my, so mine arrived like pristine. Like they look really good. Every, the ferrules on straight, the like, you know, the anodization and the like gold stripe are really well preserved. I don't know if it's because they only had to travel like 80 some miles uh, from Stockton to here to get to me or what. But I, I, I did like take a fingernail to the gold stripe on the ferrule and they do, it does scratch off pretty easily. So I can totally see how that could happen in shipment. Oh yeah. These are like the wood was splintered. Yeah. But that's, that's the, yeah, that's the part that doesn't seem like it would be, you know, damaged in the shipment. They just like got put on sloppy. And, uh, I think a couple of them, there were like bubbles and streaks in the paint. I'm like, is somebody at Blackwing pissed at me or something? (laughs) 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 Cause I mean, it it is disappointing because they're really pretty. Like they showed up and I opened the box and like, wow, these look great in person. Holy crap. What's wrong with mine? Yeah. No, I did not buy another mm. dozen. I don't think I will. Yeah. Even though I think they're showing up at all the retailers now. Yeah. Also, I feel like yeah. they sort of were like, hey, these are a limited edition. And I think people went and bought a lot, but they're not that limited. All the shops have them. They're much less yeah. limited. They're, they're sold, sold out, out though. though, right? Are they? Yeah. Everybody? I think so. Yeah. The Grease Gary's Palm. <laughs> no taste. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, mine were somewhere in between. Like mine were not like pristine, but they weren't like perfect. So like not enough to bug me. So like I've been enjoying it quite a bit. Yeah. Using it recently. And I, I talked on the last episode about some of my thoughts about like just the idea, because I know like about some of the you know questions that people had about the idea of putting out a replica of a vintage pencil from a company that didn't make the vintage pencil. <laughs> like they yeah. didn't make the old one. But yeah. so I, I won't relitigate that. But like, I've, <laughs> I've been enjoying I've been enjoying mine quite a bit. I mean, I've been using it a lot, and it's it, it had I, I I like the minor touch that they and this always seems like it might be a placebo effect or whatever. But I like the minor touch of making it a little harder than what uh, we think it would be because that almost makes it feel older, <laughs> you know, yeah. Like, yeah. Yeah. that it's got right. a little bit of a harder point. Like I, th- so I think they, they did, they did good on, on, on that side of it, but I've, I'm, I've really been enjoying mine. I've, I'm, I'm about halfway through one and I, I ordered, I got two dozen. My second one I haven't gotten yet, but it's not like I'm hurting for it to show up, but it's <laughs> yeah. uh, cause they've been, they've been swamped with that. So uh, yeah, I've, I've, I've enjoyed them quite a bit. So I, I'm sorry, Johnny, that yours showed okay. up in such nope. rough shape. I mean, it's not like I don't have other pencils. <laughs> yeah. It's like my kids Help me, I can't write a thing. Yeah. As soon as they're... <laughs> Please you know, send pencils. Yeah. <laughs> my kids will steal half out of them anyway. I found... Yeah. A, um, Henry was doing some math work today, and I found one of those gold Diana uh, black wings sitting on the table. And I'm like, huh, this is this is like, what, do these kids think we're rich? Like, we don't need these <laughs> flying around. But um, I'm glad they marked the, the occasion because... You know, you hear from a lot of people, I got into pencils because my friend gave me a black wing or something like that. And I I think I ranted about this in the Facebook group um, when the law, their single hole sharpener came out. They're like, they do a lot for pencils. So I'm disappointed in what happened this time, but I'm not ready to be like, you know, screw black wing, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. So they're, you know, they do I'm, a lot of awesome stuff. I'm interested to see... Um kind of like what 
what the era is volume two or whatever we're going to call it, like the next era release um, to see if they're going. Cause, cause a lot of like, after you get out of this phase, there's not a lot of design variations between like the decades. Um, I really, yeah, I'm inter- kind of interested to see where they go with it. Got to do that. The yellow Van Dyke. It's yeah, get happen. the get that little um, Gosh, arrow awesome. st- stamped out of the ferrule. That would be really oh, cool. Oh God, that would be awesome. Ugh. Yeah, we um, we Ugh. know that they don't. Blackwing, uh, modern Blackwing does not own the Van Dyke brand. Um, that's still that's oh. still um, wrapped up under somebody in the group was was talking about that. Like they they don't own, own that brand. So I wonder how they how they're gonna you know cover something like that's that. That's interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, you know what? Yeah. Um, if we can back up, I did have one fresh point that's yeah, related to absolutely. remaking stuff, and that is that Parker is bringing the fifty-one back. Hmm. In, uh, oh, that's o- right, October. Which, like, I'm like losing sleep over this. I'm super hmm. stoked. Like, I really like Parker hooded nibbed pens, and um, you know, getting one that I don't have to protect because they don't make it anymore and haven't made it in my lifetime sounds pretty awesome. Yeah, and um, you know, uh, they're what are they going to be like? Twenty, thirty bucks. I think the, um, the steel <laughs> yeah. nibs are 109 at Farney's, yeah. and the uh, gold ones are like 250 ish. Hmm. But they're um, they're good pens are made in the Waterman factory in France, and they're hand inspected already. So at least they won't be pieces of junk, like um, production wise. Yeah. But they're they're not doing a classic filler, which is disappointing. Hmm. I, li- I like a nice aerometric. I don't kind of sound like somebody else. What am I talking about? <laughs> this is a joke. I don't know what the hell a 51 is. Yeah. Parker, <laughs> what? Yeah. Cool. And Tim, how about you? Fresh points. Uh, yeah. So I mainly, I, I really only have one thing. It's not like a news thing per se. Oh, actually, I'm going to back up. I got one thing I want to mention first that I, I found at school. So I got, I got this new teaching job. When I got there, one thing that was left for me from my predecessor was something uh, called metaphor dice. Have you guys ever seen these? No. Um, are they like so those Rory stories cubes? They're kind of like that. It's along the same lines. And so they come, it's a, it's a set of nine die. So it's uh, there's three red, three white, three blue. One of them is uh, a na- like a noun. One of them is a descriptive kind of phrase. And then the last thing is an object. And so you, every time you roll, you get one of each color and you roll them. And then it gives you like blank is a blank blank is the, mm-hmm. the way that you use it to kind of spark an idea for like a poem or whatever. And you, you don't have to use it in that, the, the, how it lands. Of course you can spread it out and you can spread it out throughout a poem or whatever. But the guy who makes them, is a poet and it's like a teacher. His name's Taylor Malley uh, or Molly. I don't know if what it is, but like there, there are a couple different versions of it, but I was, I would inherited a set of these and they are so entertaining. And there's also an app you can download. It's two bucks and it's, it's oh. the dice as well. But for some reason, the, the dice are more satisfying. There's fewer options that you get from the dice, but there's something like really, yeah. Uh, satisfying about that. So I made a list. So I'm going to read you a list of some of the metaphors I got from my hand rolled dice. <laughs> and I'm actually missing one of my cubes, but, uh, but these are, these are some that I got as a inspiration for a poem or whatever. 
Yeah. The future is a last second promise. Ooh. Hope is a rugged thunderstorm. Love. This is my, this might be my favorite one. Love is a handed down trophy. <laughs> oh, man. Uh, 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 <laughs> my birth is a broken promise. Oh man. The future is an impossible brand new toy, <laughs> which that one's pretty great too. Oh my gosh. So yeah, I don't know. Metaphor dice. That was really fun. So I was, and there's a couple different versions of them and there's an app that you can get that you like swipe and it rolls the dice and then you can write a poem and everything. So cool. I'd recommend that. And the only other thing I was going to bring up is I had a little bit of an epiphany. And in order to tell you guys about my epiphany, I have to tell you about a fantasy of mine. And Ooh, this boy. fantasy, here we go. This yeah, buckle, buckle up. Uh, this fantasy of mine (laughs) involves something that is going to be shocking to both of you. It's going to seem like something impossible. Like how would that ever happen to somebody like Tim? And that is the fantasy is that I would one day run out of stationary. Um, (laughs) so, so I, I, I was like, found myself thinking, I was like, man, I wish cause I, and David Sedaris prompted this cause he was talking about, I read a, interview where he's talking about his notebooks and how he has this one Karen dash pen or whatever that he uses. That it's like, it's his one pen. I was like, he has one pen. I have <laughs> 700 pens. Like, <laughs> David Sedaris has one pen and I have all the pens and this is driving pencils and this is driving me nuts. And so I just like was fantasizing about it. Uh, and I realized, and so the, the, just follow this logic. So basically like what I started thinking about was the fact that like running out of and needing to pick out something new, seems so attractive to me, but me and you, you mean you too, like, and a lot of people who listen to this, we share like a, a, a collective sickness, which is an assumption that these <laughs> things that we love will be gone one day, like that they're going to disappear. And so I've got the antidote to this. That's so tough. I guess the, the, the alternative to this antidote is me like liquidating my supplies and starting over, which is just insane. That's not going to happen. Yeah. Like spent too much, time, <laughs> too much time on this, but the, 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 the antidote is trying to like, for me at least is trying to focus what I'm using on a couple things until I finish them and then treating my crazy stockpile like a really awesome stationary store that's in my basement. <laughs> yeah so like, i'm going shopping I'll, yep i'm gonna be like i finished that pencil i was using and it was so great i need another pencil and i'm gonna go down and maybe i'll borrow some of my like kids fake money and i'll like pretend to pay for the stuff that i get from my <laughs> from, from my store but like that's how i'm gonna think about it now it's like i'm gonna pretend like because i mean i've got so much stuff and it's not like i'm gonna start giving it away so i can start buying crap again so yeah that's what I'm going to do. I'm going to treat it like it's my own private stationery store that I can buy from or like buy gifts for other people from. And then that's going to be how I sleep at night. So can't, can't wait to see with, how you like how much merchandise it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Are you ever going to get, like, get drunk and hold it up yourself? <laughs> like, you know, like rob like, myself. Like, yeah. I, I wake up in, in the morning I, in my bed and I wake up, I got like pencils all over me. I'm like, what have I done? Oh my gosh. Yeah. <laughs> you smell your hands. You smell like cedar. You're like, Oh God. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So that was it. So yeah. That's kind of like a weird, that's a weird one, but that was a, a thought that I had to go through over the course of a couple of days. And I feel like I ended up at a, at a decent place that didn't involve me doing something stupid, but also involved me feeling like a minimalist, even though I have like an entire room full of stationery. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Nice. So, yeah. Cool. All right. Well, you guys want to get into our main topic tonight? 
Sure. Yeah, let's fire up the fire up the indelible podcast. Let's do this. Hello, and welcome to episode number two of the Indelible Podcast. Wait, number two? (laughs) (laughs) And we are excited on the second episode to introduce our first ever guest, Jesse Rain. Jesse is known far and wide in our inky circles and on the uh, pen show circuit for her careful and detailed restorations of Esterbrook fountain pens, a grand old American brand that made versatile, accessible steel nib fountain pens throughout most of the 20th century. Jesse, thank you for joining us. You're Yay, very welcome, Timothy. <laughs> I, I have to go by Timothy on this one, don't I? Yes. It's true. Yeah. Yes. It's yes. very important. I've, I've, I'm trying to turn things around in my life, and it just seemed like the right choice to kind of... Adding extra letters, I think. Get helps. some more... Yeah, more letters equals more respect. So that's what I... Yeah. Got it. That's, what we're, that's what we're trying to do here. Yeah. So, oh, um, Good direction. <laughs> <laughs> so for the for the benefit of those who are listening at home who may be pencil purists and don't you know don't mark that against them uh and and might not go into pen shows except to see their favorite podcasters perform live can you tell us a little bit about yourself well i appreciate if they're going to see their favorite podcasters because i've been lucky enough to get to to um be on live podcasts at a couple different shows so yeah. Appreciate that, everybody, if you do that. Um, so I uh, run a pen shop called Vintage Pen Shop. Um, I do attend shows under that as well. Um, I restore uh, vintage Esterbrook pens and uh, sell those along with providing um, the history and uh, a bit of training with that on how to care for those pens, how to um, uh, write with the various nibs, because there were there were hundreds of different types of nibs made by Esterbrook, and um, about 35, uh, there's give or take, uh, of those nibs were then made into fountain pen nibs later on. Mm-hmm. Um, so I provide quite a bit of the background history and training on those as well. And you have a really cool um, display, like an, like an original Esterbrook nib display, don't you? I do. Uh, it's a, a little pen nib display that shows all of the various nibs, or at least like the 30 most popular nibs uh, in the early 50s um, in a way that you can take a tester handle and use any of those nibs, uh, dip the nib and test it right there. Uh, and you can do that with several right in a row. That's really cool. I remember when we, um, when we met at the, uh, uh, San Francisco pen show a couple years ago, I was mm-hmm. uh, working Anna's booth, um, kind of right beside where you were working. And I was definitely preoccupied with how cool that, um, that display was. Yeah. yeah it's, it was a gem to find that. And I've yeah. made that kind of the central part of my um, display at Penjo's. That's awesome. So Thank I, um, uh, Esterbrook is is a brand that's that's pretty dear to my heart, even though admittedly I don't know much about it, which which is why you're here. Um, but that was <laughs> <laughs> um, the first fountain pen ever like 
had was um, an Esterbrook pen that was given to me by my grandmother. Mm-hmm. Um, and that honestly, like that, along with playing with her typewriter and things like Yikes pencils, which, you know, came about in like when I was a kid, um, were just kind of like it'll, all big reasons why I just really got into office supplies and stationery and um, like the tools of writing. So um, I still have actually right here in front of me, I have um, that old blue Esterbrook, which I thought was a dollar pen. And I, I can't, I, I remember you told me it was it was not a dollar pen. It was one of the other um, <laughs> Esterbrook lines, which, which is all right. Sorry <laughs> to dash your hopes. <laughs> no, it's quite all right. Um, but I, um, I've it's it's definitely this is one of my like favorite things and just favorite memories of my grandmother. Um, you know, so that's a very common yeah. memory too. Is uh, people remembering their parents or their grandparents or great grandparents or um, any older relatives uh, having that as their main writing pen? Yeah. Yeah, it was. It seems like something that was really accessible and popular to, yeah, to people. Like, yeah, early on. Um, and so, actually, for those of us who may not be familiar with Esterbrook, um, it's it's a pretty familiar name to folks who are not fully like fully fledged fountain pen pa- fans. But can you tell us a little bit about that brand and why they're su- they why they were so successful? So, uh, back in uh, the eighteen hundreds, um, all the best pen manufacturers, and by pen, I mean the steel nibs, the tips that you would find in dip pens now. Mm. Uh, All of those pen manufacturers were uh, in Europe, and some of the best ones were in England. Um, In the uh, mid-1800s, a guy named uh, Esterbrook pulled as many of those as he could out of England um, brought them to the U.S. and established a factory here. Now, I'm glossing over a whole bunch of details there. Um, it wasn't <laughs> a super easy thing for him to do, uh, but he did bring artisans uh, over to the U.S. and established a factory. Eventually, it was established in uh, New Jersey, Camden, New Jersey. Hmm. Um, and fountain pens themselves really didn't get very big until um, 1910s, 1920s, uh, when they became much easier to produce. They caught on, but Esterbrook had had a line of several hundred different types of nibs. Oh, wow. Uh, They were for all kinds of different things. They had lines for different... um, uh, different businesses, um, accountants and, uh, shorthand and, um, anything you could think of. They had a, a different pen for that. Um, and a handful of those they made into fountain pen nibs. And one of the great things about those was they made them interchangeable so that if you broke down the nib, you didn't have to change the entire pen. You didn't have to purchase an entirely new fountain pen. You could change out just the nib unit. Um, They weren't absolutely the first to come up with that idea, but they were the most successful with that. Hmm. And when real real quick, just to define some terms, um, when you say fountain pen nibs, um, how, how is that differentiated from other nibs that Esterbrook was producing at that time? Like what other kind of pens were there? So the first nibs that they started with were dip nibs. Uh, Those Mm -hmm. are the steel um, pieces of steel that are pointed that um, are dipped in 
ink and then written for several different several lines uh, or sentences until the ink runs out and then it's dipped again into yeah. a um, an ink well. Then with a fountain pen, and you know, I I have no idea if it's true or not, but people say that um, you know you had your ink well. And they named them fountain pens because they wanted you to see that it was fountain um, rather than a well that you had to pull out of. Um, With the fountain pens, they contain ink in some way within the pen that feeds Mm. that into the nib. The fountain? Yes. Yeah, (laughs) of ink. Okay, that makes sense. So, so thinking about like the, the pens that we like this, like the dollar pens and the, the pen that my grandmother gave me, like what, what is it about them that made them so successful of their time? The main thing is that they were interchangeable, but they also had incredible marketing. Hmm. They made them accessible to everybody possible. Uh, they were, they were on razor thin margins, so they made them as cheap as they possibly could, and were always trying to find other ways that they could make them cheaper, although still good, um, hmm. and get those to as many people as they could, uh, get those into the hands of as many people as possible. With the dollar pens and later the J pen um, groups, they uh, did price those at such an incredible value that they were affordable to most people Hmm. that's cool so um you know we talk about pencil brands that disappear or get bought out and um you know waterman is french now but they used to be american and parker is like who knows (laughs) so you know clearly just like with pencils crap happens so what happened to Esterbrook? where'd it go well um you know, in the uh, in the fifties, um, uh, ballpoint pens started becoming popular, and ballpoint pens. You know, you purchase those, and you may or may not uh, be able to refill those with an entire cartridge. Um, but they aren't messy; they're easier, and they were able to make those cheaper. Um, than anybody else was. I believe it was Bic that uh, really started making those quite cheap. Um, As people started discovering those ballpoint pens, they went away from fountain pens because they were messier, they were uh, more expensive, they were just tougher to use. Uh, As that happened, Esterbrook tried to start uh, bringing in um, the... uh, Oh, excuse me, I have a bird clock in the background. Um, <laughs> uh, as they, uh, as ballpoints became popular, um, they did try to adapt to that, but they were still trying to keep the quality with the outer portion of the ballpoints. So they hmm. just didn't make that. Um, that combined with uh, a lack of leadership right then. Um, usually the ownership was passed down in the family, uh, at that point, it had gone outside of the family, and there wasn't a clear um, leadership in the uh, I, in the sixties. So at that point, um, it was passed down. It was uh, purchased by Venus Pens. Um, you can still find some Esterbrook nibs that are labeled with Venus, and then it just broke down. Um, 
ended up uh, closing their doors and closing down the name until about the 90s. Uh, it was purchased. Um, won't talk too much about the details because it gets really emotional for some people. Uh, but it was <laughs> purchased by somebody who was purchasing pens from <laughs> very cheap yeah. manufacturers and putting the Estabrook name on them and selling them. You and can listen that, to the Pen Addict back catalog for, uh, yeah, for all the details there. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not going to talk too much about that. That's out there somewhere. Yeah. <laughs> um, and it was it, it got a very, very bad reputation. Uh, and in uh, uh, 2015, I believe, um, Kenro Industries purchased the name and started making the, um, the modern Estabrooks that you'll see on the market today. Nice. And that's a, I mean, a perfect segue into my, my next question was about oh, those. It seemed, it seemed like they're back or whatever. Like I, I remember being at the, uh, it was at the, was that the DC pen show, Johnny, where we first met? It was, uh, it was Atlanta, wasn't yeah. it? Yeah. Oh, okay. Which one was it? It was, uh, I think it was DC. Yeah. It was DC. Yeah. We were in DC and they had like Esther Brooks. It was like kind of the thing at that point that they were coming back. Mm-hmm. Um, in this like latest iteration. So is this like an actual true continuation of the company or is this sort of like a picking up the torch or like, Oh, you've let this sit here and no one's using it. So we're going to take it and make something completely different or make something our own version of it. Kind of like Blackwing did or something with pencils, but which of those two is it? Can't speak much to Blackwing. Um, But what Kenra did was pick up the name I believe that the last thing you said of we're going to make it our own thing, we're just purchasing a name, uh, was mm-hmm. done previously. Um, Kenro Industries, I know I've had uh, lengthy conversations with um, several of the members of Kenro. Uh, they are trying to keep the original spirit of Esterbrook. Uh, too much time has gone past that there's really the ability to have a continuation, but they are mm. trying to keep... A, uh, alive the original feeling of that Estabrook, uh, the um, the dedication to quality, um, the dedication to innovation, uh, amazing materials, um, and they've also made an adapter for some of the newer Estabrooks that uh, can use the original vintage nibs. So they oh, are wow. keeping oh, on cool. with cool. with the um, the feeling of having all of these interchangeable nibs, um, and you're able to go back and get vintage. Yeah, that's really cool. Well, so you can go and buy old nibs, and then buy like a if you needed to for whatever reason the pen bodies you get from I forget the name of it. What did you say? It was uh, the company that bought it, Estabrook. <laughs> Well, <laughs> keep up, Tim. Jeez. Hi, my name's Tim. It's nice to meet you guys. I just got here. Uh, no, whatever the V company that bought it. it uh, Kenro. So, <laughs> Kenro. Kenro. The K company. I'm sorry. It's been a long. It's been a long day. Um, so they. Uh, so you get the bodies from those. You're saying will fit with these vintage nibs that you see all over eBay or see on websites and things yeah. like that. Um, oh, it's an adapter, but yeah, it, um, it does go okay. with the, the newer body has, um, a larger ink capacity and it's also a, uh, wire pen body. Hmm. Yeah. 
So um, going back to some of the vintage Esther books, um, Jesse, are there models or colors that are your absolute favorite? If if somebody wanted to like, you know, start kind of looking for these themselves, um, how would you how would you point them? Well, the most common one out there is the J series. There's uh, the J is a standard size, and then you've got SJ, which is a little bit smaller, and you have LJ, which is long but um, thinner, um, and then if you want to get into my favorite, my favorite are the uh, pastel pens. Um, these mm. were made in the uh, early fifties. Uh, there were a couple different series. There was the first one, and actually, they're not—they're commonly called pastel pens. Um, but there were two series. The first series mm. was pastel. You had the light pink and blue and gray and um, and peach and yellow. But uh, the second series was very bright colors, um, a bright mm. red, a bright green, uh, all of these. And, but the, what sets them apart is that they are shorter than the others. Um, so in the J series, the SJ is the smallest. The purse pen um, is a little bit smaller than that one. And they're very cute, very small, about um, uh, just pocket size pens. Um, and usually they were, they were made for women. Um, and they also came in these little pouches, um, called petite packs where it had a pen and a pencil matched together, but it was made to fit in women's, uh, purses or their pockets back when they did, they had pockets. Hmm. Women cool. aren't allowed to have pockets anymore. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I know yeah. you guys are all guys here and you don't, you don't uh, understand that whole <laughs> thing but well no pockets i I, I often you know stow stow little stuff for my wife in my pockets she doesn't have her purse with her (laughs) um i so the pen that that i have that was my grandmother's is a is a j um one of the j Mm -hmm. pens and i i am just like absolutely in love with that um oh the i don't even know what to call it that that sort of like rippled color um in the barrel and yeah I, the material yeah, yeah. um mm-hmm. i have the i have the blue one and i know that you know there's there's orange ones out there i think i had a big long conversation with anna um anna reiner about about that one before um and there's just that really gorgeous like green color so yeah those are those are the ones that i'm um really interested in what, what what are the differences functionally between the sjs and the ljs and the js like they're longer and shorter and, and in between but why um what what i guess what you use cases would you would you use between those you know the only difference really between them is um the feeling in your hand the j mm. is um has a certain width of the barrel the lj and the sj both have a um thinner diameter so it's just how it feels in your hand. Um, all of them can post the cap on top and uh, yeah. all of them come in various colors, but even within the color groups like red, for instance, you can get very, very dark reds, very um, light reds. You can get some that um, don't have much variation in them. Some that look more pearlescent than others. It's a very yeah. wide variety. But cool. the the uh, size, uh, the only real difference is how it feels in your hand. The same um, internal stuff is all used. Uh, sometimes there's a very 
slight difference in ink capacity between the J and SJ. Hmm. That's cool. So um, I have a J pen and I have a little green purse pen mm-hmm. that someone gave me, but the sacks are gone. So if you could do this without giving away too many of your secrets, <laughs> um, can you give us like a really quick overview of, you know, if you have one of these, how hard is it going to be to fix that yourself? If like, you know, you've taken pens apart a couple of times, but you've never done a sack repair before. Well, um, the thing that makes it the hardest to repair Esterbrook pens, and they are some of the easiest vintage pens to repair. Um, hmm. And I don't feel like I'm giving away secrets there, but <laughs> um, <laughs> there are a few. There's um, taking the barrel apart from the section. Um, there, it isn't a twist; it's friction fit, and that is a point where you can break the pen. Um, mm. the, and it depends on so many different factors. It depends on even what color, because the different colors it seems. Um, have different strengths of material uh, and the different sizes can be different levels of difficulty to get them apart but it is pretty easy to um, crack either the barrel or the section when you're taking that apart um, mm. so that has that's one thing that is scary because uh, the price for going to pen school which basically is just another way of saying experience um (laughs) is that you break a lot of pens um so i've i've broken more than my fair share of pens uh but um by now i don't usually (laughs) (laughs) but honestly once you get those open um it's fairly easy it just uh takes some practice with um, getting dimensions right or getting the sack to go onto the section. Um, that's about it. It's they're pretty simple, but it is a risk every time you open a pen. Yeah. Yeah. Now I'm scared. <laughs> <laughs> Don't screw this up, Johnny. <laughs> I think they can sit a little longer. <laughs> <laughs> well, I can also help you repair those. I was going to say you should. You can hire a professional to do yeah, this. There you go. <laughs> Um, (laughs) I can often do those in, um, you know, just a few minutes per pen. It depends on what the condition is once I open those up. So the pens that you're, you have listed for sale are not only like restored on the inside, but you also do like a beautiful restoration on the outside and they look really clean. So what other kind of things do you do to restore an old Esther Brook on the outside? Like what's that process like again, without giving away too many secrets? <laughs> no, there's no secrets there, but thank you by the way. Um, <laughs> you're like, you're like Clorox wipes. And then that's, <laughs> <no>. <laughs> please, please, please don't ever use bleach on pens. Okay, okay. <laughs> oh yeah. Please. I will come take them away. <laughs> <laughs> she will come um, to your house. Oh my gosh, it, it, that pains me. Um, so with <laughs> Esther Brooks, uh, you know, I, I uh, make sure that everything's clean. Um, there's typically a lot of leftover ink. Um, sacks may have deteriorated inside. Usually they're just crumbly, but sometimes they can be kind of gooey. Depends on what inks people used or if they kept them in a hot location or, or anything. Um, sometimes there's rust inside from uh, the uh, lever 
and there's also a J bar inside. Any of those can rust. So I make sure mm -hmm. all of that is cleaned up and it looks great and it's going to work well. Um, and that there are no leaks. I, I personally remove uh, pen sacks unless I know that they've been done, that the restoration has been done by somebody that I trust. I don't trust those to chance. Hmm. And then the outside of it is uh, you know, cleaning and polishing. Um, I try and make them as looking as new as possible. Um, but actually, I put a bit more shine on them than they typically had originally. <laughs> I'm uh, envisioning that scene from... Um from Toy Story where that guy mm -hmm. comes in and he has like this little box that just has like every single thing you could need to restore a toy and he like polishes up Woody. Um, in my head, you just have one of these little boxes and you're just doing that to these pens, which is really... I, I do have a little box. Um, yes. It's actually it's actually an antique dentist's box and it's Ooh. amazing. Of course, that's awesome. Yeah, with, yeah. with all the... Uh, sounds great. The latches and tiny little drawers and... Little. Yeah, and actually, a lot of the tools that I use, I am. Um, I've had a friend who's a dentist for quite some years, and um, he gave me a lot of the uh, tools that they'd sent to be sharpened um, too many times. Yeah, and so they're the professional uh, dental quality. Yeah. Oh wow, Jesse Rain, the pen dentist. The pen dentist. The dentist, yeah. I really, I don't, I don't like dentists. <laughs> Johnny, were you going to say something? Um, Sorry, John. Yeah, what, what do you, oh, yes, yeah. John. What do you use to polish your field? <laughs> uh, I just use, um, I use a polish that's usually for um, models. Uh, stuff hmm. that comes off very easily. Uh, there are some polishes that aren't wonderful to keep on plastics long-term. So mm. if every bit doesn't get off, uh, it's, it's hard to know because we don't have a whole lot of uh, history with that so that we can look back and say, no, if it's on longer than this period of time, it's bad. Mm. Um, but I use a very neutral type of polish. So let's say, for example, um, somebody is on eBay trying to get a vintage Esther book. Um, this actually uh, happened to me. There was a uh, there was a green one that was um, that was up there, and I was outbid at the very last minute just today. Might have um, been me. You don't know. <laughs> well, I look I'm forward not to buying on anything right now. <laughs> <laughs> I look forward to buying that from you later. For no. Um, so um, if if somebody's on eBay looking for that, what what should they look out for, and what what should they steer clear of? Um, maybe ish, ish. How much would they look, be looking to pay? Um, typically on eBay, I've seen uh, between twenty and forty-five, uh, but it's unknown whether that's been restored. If they mm. say it's been restored, it's very difficult to know if it's been done properly. Mm -hmm. So it can be a little bit of a gamble. Um, for the prices out there, usually, you know, it's okay to to try that. Um, and if you're comfortable with repairing them, that's uh, really not too big of a deal. You want to make sure that there aren't any major scratches or 
um, none of the furniture is bent like the lever or the clip. Um, mm-hmm. You want to make sure that the jewels on each end are are um, whole. Those are often chipped. And if you're getting one with a nib, you want to make sure that that nib is not bent, that it looks like it's in great condition. Mm. Um, but your best bet usually is to go with somebody who is selling quite a few um, in that category, so specifically Estherbrooks. Uh, somebody who isn't just selling on eBay is usually a good good way to go as well because they have more invested than just um, yeah. this fly-by-night shop on eBay. For example, <laughs> the vintage pen shop. <laughs> no, no, that's not the fly-by-night on eBay. Oh, right. No, no, that's what I meant. Like, no, that's, sorry. That's the, Come that's on, the organization <laughs> that you would want to buy from on eBay. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> fly-by-day. Okay, you're digging yourself in deeper here. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> just stop yeah, talking. Just stop. Yeah. Johnny, ask your question. <laughs> um, what are some of your other vintage, our favorite vintage fountain pens, since nobody has, you know, one pen Ooh, or 10 pens? Yeah. <laughs> you don't want to know how many I have. <laughs> <laughs> um, I I really love uh, Waterman, um, especially Yay! finding amazing nibs. Um I also always have my radar out there for uh, Schaefer stub nibs. Adore those. Hmm. Um, so it's, you know, it's kind of like my uh, thing that I always search out for. And I'm never actually expecting to find anything, but it's always fun to be hunting for something. Um, but I also have a, a uh, soft spot in my heart for vintage um silver pens so anything that's the sterling silver i love the uh, Mm. patina that's on those yeah so ever since i got into fountain pens i have been kind of obsessed with the idea of the esterbrook dollar pen though i don't have one myself Mm -hmm. but just like that idea of a of an affordable pen that performs well and is sturdy and holds up and all this. And so the, the reason I was obsessed with it is I, I always was curious and I still am curious, what are modern equivalents to that? Like pens that are fountain pens that are made today that are some of your like favorite contemporary fountain pens that might also fit in that niche of being affordable, but also really good performers that'll last a long time. Kind of like if you put them in a time machine and took them back to when the dollar pen was at its height, like would be a, a sort of a comparable, uh, a comparable sale. So modern pens that would go back in time very well. Is that what you're asking? Yes, basically. And, and, and yeah. And especially in like the affordable realm, I'm not talking about like sailor pens today that are like $200 that back then would have been 20 or whatever, mm-hmm. but like some of the le- less expensive pens today that would have like held up, in some way, or maybe there's nothing that would fit this category, but just that would, that would hold well, up uh, next to like a Estherbrook back in the day. So I'm not, I've never done any price equivalents or anything. Um, but uh, anymore, uh, one of the, one of the big things about fountain pens uh, in my mind is the quality of the nib. Uh mm. Most 
nibs in modern pens, many nibs, I should say, not most, they can be traded between pens fairly easily. Hmm. So they can, um, they can go from pen to pen and they're usually, not usually, often uh, made as nib units. So they're fairly easy to transfer to a different pen. Um, in that case, it would just be looking at the nibs and then looking at um, the fountain pen itself, which is almost just a holder for the nibs. Yeah. Um, now, Esterbrook also had that kind of thought was that uh, the pen is the holder for the nib that you select. So in that way, you know, there's lots of pens out there that would be almost an equivalent. Um, if you get into pens that right now are very good value uh, for a good pen, I think that um, there's actually quite a few pens that um, are on the uh, market what that people would usually categorize as cheap Chinese pen, um, but that have really amazing nibs out there. Um, some of the, you know, Wingsung mm. and Pen BBS nibs um, and pens are surprisingly good quality for the price. Hmm. Yeah. Awesome. So um, we can't let you go without asking you, what are your favorite pencils? <laughs> Put you on the spot. Um, <laughs> it's all been a setup yeah. for this question right here. <laughs> my my now, favorite now, what? I'm going to tell you the lie. <laughs> I, I'm not sure what that word was. Pencil. You know, never I don't, I don't favorite, know what those are. Your favorite stick of carbon. <laughs> you know, um, uh, my background is in engineering. So anything that kept its point uh, when I was in school was good for me. Um, uh, other than that, I don't really have much experience with pencils other than um, Esterbrook pencils or mechanical <laughs> pencils. <laughs> so you probably had um, one of those one of those mechanical pencils that had like a 0.4 millimeter lead that was like really hard just because, you know, it, it, it could, like, it could put your eye out. Yeah. <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> yeah. Sure. It had to go with uh, drafting rulers at the same time. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, honestly, you guys, I, um, I just don't have the experience with pencils that you do. <laughs> and I've, I've talked to Andy for a while about this, just trying to understand <laughs> Help me to understand. <laughs> I'm just spelling it really badly, I think. <laughs> maybe. Maybe. Come on, Maybe Andy, I've never come, come, come across the uh, great pencils. Um, well, if, well, if had you, a few if you fun were... ones, but usually they had like a, a unicorn on the tip or something. <laughs> Lisa Frank pencil? Yeah. yeah. Do, you, Lisa do, you remember, do you remember Yikes pencils from the 90s? Yikes? Yikes. Y-I-K-E-S. No. no. Yeah. Those were. I was, um, I was more into gel pens in the nineties. Oh yeah, it, it yeah. was. I would oh, say yeah, this yeah. was jelly rolls. I, jelly I would say rolls this was best. a little earlier than jelly rolls. Maybe, maybe right mm -hmm. around the same time. Um, they were just pencils, wooden pencils that were just like real bright colors, like Nickelodeon colors, and kind of some weird shapes. So yeah, they were appear, appealed a lot to like nineties kids. Was kind of the, the deal. Yeah. Yeah, I um I don't remember those, but yeah. Jelly rolls were it. Oh, yeah. I love me a jelly roll. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, I think a, I think a future episode of this podcast has to be that we send you a sampler of pencils and then you give us your like totally honest yeah. opinion and then you can be like blackwing what is this crap like why <laughs> terrible. Okay <laughs> i think we need to i think we need to make this happen we'll we'll send you <laughs> send you some pencil to try out and then you, you can give us like a pure you know like outsider pencil uh, a newbie yeah. a newbie opinion, opinion. Yeah. yeah yes that sounds like that sounds yeah, great that um, might be good for future guests as well you know surprise totally. you're not a pencil person <laughs> but look <laughs> <laughs> yeah i and then we just like spend the episode being defensive <laughs> no <whole> no. <laughs> you no, don't no you don't get it you just don't get it <laughs> what kind of what kind of sharpener are you using me. come on let's Sharp- go back sharpeners <laughs> you mean they don't just click out of when you push the eraser <laughs> <laughs> you can try but i don't it's think like, it's gonna work it's like gra- it's like grinding your nib but you know you have to do it oh, over and over and over oh no oh no <laughs> but you have to do it every 10 minutes. <laughs> but anybody can do it. True. true. You know, there's only one Nibmeister in the world, David Reese. You guys need pencil meisters or somebody who can pencil meisters. sharpen I mean, you're your, at them. your pencil for the best. Yeah. <laughs> That's what I have my teacher's assistant do. It's oh, cool. yeah. Just like. <laughs> Just hand them a pencil. Yeah, sharpen sharp. No, I but I <laughs> do it again. I've got an idea. Oh, I do remember, you know, in uh, <laughs> like elementary school getting punished by having to sharpen like a hundred pencils or something. See, I would volunteer for that. Oh. Yeah, <laughs> I don't think I ever do that. I do remember getting in trouble for taking too long to sharpen my pencil. Oh, everybody did that. You're like cranking You're like, it, cranking it too like slowly. Looking yeah. over yeah. at the walls and mm-hmm. what's in the <laughs> trash can over there and <laughs> Yeah. Wait till the teacher says something and then crank yeah. it again. Yeah. Huh? What? You were one of Sorry, those kids. Huh? <laughs> yeah, sometimes. <laughs> so, Jesse, any anything that you want to talk about that we didn't cover today? Um. Wow, that's very broad. <laughs> anything but, at all, you know. You know, <laughs> if I talked about anything at all, be fountain pens, and so. Yeah, you know, I've already talked a lot about them, so <laughs> I, can- I would ask you what pen shows coming up one might be able to find you at, but that's probably not. Oh, on the Andy, on the you're right making now. me cry. <laughs> I know it's so sad. <laughs> Come oh, on, we- yeah, Colorado show has just been canceled. Um, uh, earlier, the San Francisco show is canceled. Yeah. Earlier, we were talking about how completely lucky we were to just like fit in that Baltimore pen show under the radar before oh, like, everything yeah, started closing I'm- down. So grateful. Yeah. yeah. It's yeah. kind of incredible. Yeah. 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 And I, I was all excited because you guys had redone those um those uh pens that look like pencils, which oh yeah is really misleading. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Trying to trick you. But came out very, very well. Yeah. And yeah. one of these days I'm gonna hunt one down. Yeah. Find probably, one of those. Probably help you oh. find one. Yeah. Well, you guys did a great <laughs> job with those. Thank you. Thank you. I don't think we have any pens that are masquerading as pencils, but they're probably hmm. out there. I'll yeah. have to find those. <laughs> or don't you mean pencils masquerading as pens? Um, yeah, that too. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> You're getting me all confused here. <laughs> yeah. This is a pen podcast, a pen podcast. Pen, not pencils, but you guys are all pencil people on a pen podcast. (laughs) Quite confusing. Just strange times. They are. They are. And 
um, you know, going back to the the pen show stuff, I I'm so glad that I went to that Baltimore pen show. Um, yeah, I'd been. I'd been wavering back and forth on that and it was great to see you guys had your, um, all of your stuff there. Uh, you guys were really successful with that. Weren't you? you. It was fun. It was a, is yeah. Yeah. It was a big experiment, but yeah. Doing a a pencil show at a pen show. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) That's the only option we had. It was either. Yeah. It's like either a pencil show or a pen show or like a pipe fitting show and pen seemed closer. So it's like, do they not have pencil? There's, there's no pencil shows. We well, I, no, no. Where we've been actually working. the American pencil collector society had every two years they have a, they have a conference <laughs> and I've never been to one. Um, but it's usually yeah. just somewhere like in some, somewhere in the Midwest. And it's usually like, like, I think it's mostly, like, advertising and, like, souvenir pencils, like, trading. Mm. Um, yeah. Someday I really want to go to one, but also, like, I don't think very many people go to it. It's a pretty small society. Yeah. I can't understand yeah. why. Like dudes. Yeah, I can't um, imagine. But, you know, if you if you see me at a pen show, I have pencils there. Esterbrook made nice. plenty of pencils. Oh, cool. Very yeah. Cool. I could yeah. probably find you a pencil that matches your J-pens. Ooh. That's good to know. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, Jesse, thank you so much for jo- joining us today. This has been a lot of fun and, and we definitely want to have you back on at some point. Um, can you tell people where they can find you on the internet to, to check out the the pens that you're selling or just to, just to follow you in any way that you yeah. like? Um, I'm on several different platforms. Um, I have the name at J E S I and underscore R A I N E. Jesse Rain, um, and then I have a a um, website uh, that is vintagepenshop.com, and I also write uh, posts on the well-appointed desk. Um, mm. Thursdays are my days, so if you don't like the Thursday post, just don't don't tell me. <laughs> we are making we're making our way through all of the um, all of the well-appointed desk. Uh, guest authors because we just had Tina Koyama on last week or oh, last great. time. Yeah. 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 I've been, um, she's been writing for Anna for many years and, or several years, I should say, not many. Um, yeah. And it's a fun one to work with. Yeah. Anna's great. Yes. Anna, you are great. Nice. Yay, Anna. All right. Hey, Andy, where can people find I you? I am there? at A. Wellfley um, on Twitter and Instagram. And then uh, Andy.WTF is my website. How about you, Johnny? I am on PencilRevolution.com, which just turned 15. Yay. And on social media at PencilUtion. And I'm Tim Wassum. You can follow me on Twitter at Tim Wassum or on Instagram at Timothy Wassum because I'm fancy on Instagram. <laughs> and, uh, if you are, if you enjoyed this episode, uh, please uh, consider supporting us on Patreon at erasable.us slash Patreon. That'll give you a link uh, to our account. This We, we give out uh, extra episodes every month. That'll be things like this where we give kind of, uh, we, we'll, we'll give out episodes that are a little different than the norm of what we do, or they might be like extras where we take a, have a guest go beyond what we talk about on the episode. So there'll be extra content and also some goodies that'll come along the way. You can follow us on Instagram and Twitter at Erasable Podcast. 
on Facebook. You can join our Facebook group at facebook.com slash group slash erasable and like our Facebook page at facebook.com slash erasable podcast. Um, please take a second if you haven't already and rate and review us on iTunes or recommend us on overcast or whatever podcatcher you use. Uh, I want to take a second to thank our, uh, our producer level patrons on Patreon. Um, Alex, Jonathan Brown, Ann Sype, Bob Otswald, Bobby Letzinger, Chris Jones, Chris Metzkus, Chris Ulrich, Dave McDonald, Dave Tubman, Fourth Letter, Gangster Hotline, Hans Noodleman, Hunter McCain, Jacqueline Myers, James Dominguez, James Spears, Jason Dill, Jamelia, uh, Joe Crace, John Bainan, KP, Ka- Kathleen Rogers, Kelton Weens, Leslie Tuzet, uh, Mary Collis, Measure Twice, Michael Diolosa, Michael Hagen, Millie Blackwell, O.A. Pryor, Random Thanks, Stuart Lennon, Tana Feliz, and Terry Beth Ledbetter. Thank you so much for your support. We couldn't do it without you. And thank you for listening, and we will talk to you soon. Turn it off.